0: Welcome to Financial Planning for Oil and Gas Professionals, hosted by certified financial planners Justin Brownlee and Jared Machen of Brownlee Wealth Management. The only podcast dedicated to those of you in the oil and gas profession to help you optimize investments, lower future taxes, and grow your wealth. Learn more and subscribe today at brownleewealthmanagement.com. Welcome back to another episode of F P O G, Financial Planning for Oil and Gas Professionals. This week on the podcast, we want to start a new series where we walk through case studies of potential this these will be hypothetical people or families uh, that are similar to uh, situations that we see. And so we want to take you under the hood and really walk through the financial planning process. And so we want to do a case study, uh, and we I think we want to do maybe three of these uh, to highlight the different types of clients we work with. And we thought it might be interesting to just take you through all of the different different questions that we're asking, uh, the different opportunities that we see, the big Well, we could call them risks or mishaps that you want to avoid. Um, And so, yeah, we're going to start with case studies this week. Uh, If you are watching us on YouTube, you see a a big uh, buffalo behind me on the wall. Um, We are in Kansas visiting my family i grew up in kansas uh oh give me a home where the buffalo roam uh buffaloes are are apparently sacred in kansas that's that's from our our state song i think my parents house has uh several pictures of buffaloes um and so always fun for my kids to be able to to go to their grandparents house and uh uh, let loose and have a good time so with that being said, we will dive in. Oh, speaking of Buffaloes, this is relevant. I'll be quick on this. So I'm I'm speaking to you right now in late July. So big college football news. Colorado is joining. The Colorado Buffaloes are joining the Big 12 Conference, uh, returning, I should say, to the Big 12 Conference. Again, this is late July. Right now, it's only Colorado. So it will be interesting to see who else joins them. With that being said, let's dive in. Let's talk about case studies. So here's what we're thinking. There's, if, if we were to really simplify things and give you an overview of the clients that Brownlee Wealth Management serves, uh, I think we can probably break them into three categories. Um, and so I think that's what we will likely do with these case studies. Um, and so here's, here's the three categories. So most clients of Brownlee Wealth Management could fit in one of these buckets. Uh, Number one is you are a 35, 40, 45-year-old, and you're making a lot more money than you were at 25. Uh, You're starting to accrue some significant assets. And so your financial plan is getting – there's just a lot more moving parts. It's getting a little bit more complex because now you're in – tax brackets that are significantly higher than you used to be in. Uh, You now have assets in workplace plans, stock equity compensation, as well as brokerage accounts, um, all of which have some different financial planning components. So that's kind of number one. Uh, Well, key thing that I should add there, you're not looking to retire in the next three years. So if you are 40 years old and yes, you're starting to make great money, uh, you're starting to accrue some significant assets, um, so a lot going on. But you're not you're not trying to stop working anytime soon. So that's that's the first bucket, uh, first uh, profile of a of a client of Brownlee Wealth Management. Number two, this is uh, probably our largest section. And when I started the firm, number two, and and I'll say it before I give more detail there, number two is. 55 to 65 years old or 70, and you are either retiring or you're within three years of retiring, somewhere in that window. Um, So when I started the firm, I, I envisioned this being the sweet spot, the bulk of who we worked for. Um, and, you know, I, 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 do think that's for the most part held true. There are certainly on, on both ends of that spectrum. I'll get into the third one here in a second. Uh, we have clients on either side of that, but, you know, we do have, and we do a lot of work for families that are either retiring or they're within, you know, a few years of doing so, um, that's going to be the case study that we highlight today. So we're gonna do a case study on a family that is a, a couple that is 59 years old and they have two kids. Um, we'll get into those details. The third client that uh, Brownlee Wealth Management serves is not really age dependent. So the first two is really just are you going to stop working and start decumulating your portfolio soon uh, versus are you younger and you're still you're still working? So the first two sections, the the delineation, there's really age uh, and that has a huge impact on your uh, wealth management scenario because you're talking about either accumulating assets or decumulating assets. Now, the third category has way less to do with age, and it's more just asset level. So the third category is uh, someone who has a taxable estate, um, whether that be $30 million, $300 million, or up from there. The reason for that distinction is a lot more, or not not a lot more, a lot different financial planning or wealth questions need to be asked and answered, um, if that's your situation. So with these case studies, I think we might do uh, one of each. um, And this first one is going to be that number two section. Uh, So a a couple that is deciding to retire in the next six months, they're 59 years old, and let's go ahead, let's meet them. Um, If you're watching this on YouTube, I do have some slides that we're going to walk through uh, with this, and so you will be able to see it. Um, And I will move my window out of the way so that you can see it a little bit better here. So the case study, our hypothetical uh, married couple, Elvis and Emogene Exxon. Um, I decided to give them the last name Exxon. You might be hearing this thinking, why in the world did you name them Elvis and Emogene? I took a couple straight from the 1950s, uh, but that's what we're working with. Um, that was the first name that came to mind. Uh, I was trying to think of an E name, and there we are. Now, uh, even though I kind of tied this to ExxonMobil, uh, we're gonna we're gonna make this to where it's really relevant and would also shed light on some of our retired clients from Shell, Chevron, uh, BP. And really if you're a, at a any large oil and gas company, you will resonate a lot uh, with their situation. So with that being said, let's meet them. Uh, they are 59. They have two kids. Uh, their children are finishing up. The, the youngest of the two kids is finishing up college right now. Um, they live in Houston, Texas, but you can see they're on the screen. They're thinking about moving to Colorado in retirement. So that's a big question that needs to be discussed. And we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit. Now, uh, income, 450000 is their household income today. I made it $450,000 on purpose so that we could illustrate a tax principle there. Um, their expenses, what they need, what they spend every year, they spend about $15,000 a month. Uh, and they do want to continue to take family vacations and pay for those vacations. So we're going to round up to $200,000 a year. Their house is paid off. Uh, Their cars, one of them is paid off the other car. They still owe about 40,000 on it and have a few years left on that note. And they're wondering if they should pay that off. Investable assets, 5.2 million. So this is Elvis and EmoGene Exxon. This is the hypothetical client we're going to do a case study on. Let's uh, point out a couple quick things. When I look at this, uh, what do we have here? Just a handful of of facts about them. Here's some things that I'm thinking about. Uh, Okay, I see that they're 59. So obviously the IRS age at which retirement plans become liquid without penalties is 59 and a half. Uh, But even if they're going to retire before 59 and a half, they could take distributions from a 401k uh, if that was their previous employer that they retired from, and those would be exempt because they're over age 55. So that's the first thing I'm thinking about. Uh, Next thing I'm thinking about, golden window. This is the perfect financial planning window. Um, What I mean by that is I'm actually just going to jump to my last slide here, try to get my face out of the way so you can see this. So this is a timeline of financial planning, and it starts at age 50. It goes to age 95 and beyond to where children would eventually inherit the assets. Here's the big takeaway I want you to learn from this timeline. Your tax rate, your personal tax that you pay and owe, it is is really different over the years. Um, It's a little bit volatile in between age 55 all the way to age 75 or 80. So as the picture here shows, if you're listening to this and you're not seeing the picture, uh, that's okay. I'll kind of map it out for you. But uh, your last 5-10 years of work, you're oftentimes making more money than you've ever made in your career. So you typically pay a lot of taxes. Uh, this case study I made sure to make their income in the 32% tax bracket uh, just to illustrate that to immediately think okay we need to we need to understand there's they're paying a lot of taxes right now so what are some things we can do to to lower that but then the next once you retire the next phase of life tax wise is a really important planning window uh, we've talked about this before but if you're making a lot of money and you retire well, the first year that you're fully retired and don't have any equity compensation paying out or anything like that, you all of the sudden have a very low tax rate. You don't have any income. Uh, And that low tax rate will last. uh, Well, it's going to last. There's a few different scenarios. It will last until age 70 if you delay Social Security and if you have enough cash or brokerage assets to live off of during that time frame or it will last until 63 or 65. Medicare premiums become relevant at 63, even though it's Medicare starts 65. Um, But it also, this critical planning window, it may not be from 59 to 70 or 59 to 65. It's often until you use all of your brokerage non-retirement assets. Well, not necessarily, but kind of halfway that's true. Uh, This window is much more valuable while you still have cash brokerage assets. So that's kind of how long the window lasts. It could be shorter. It could be longer uh, based on your brokerage assets and how they interact with your retirement assets. But then, you know, and this is I made this a year or two ago before the recent legislation change required minimum distributions are MDS. So, those are annual distributions the IRS forces you to take from all pre tax retirement plans when you retire. Uh, you have to do that at age, well, now it's 73 to 74. I'm just going to leave a variable there. Uh, We'll see what Congress does with that. But in your 70s, you have to start taking retirement distributions and they are taxable. So your tax rate really high. Then it gets really low when you retire. Then it gets really high again if you have a lot of pre-tax assets. Now, um, so what else am I thinking as I look through this? Okay, they're thinking about moving to Colorado. Um, And in this situation... This family, they still have one child in college. They were going to stay in Texas near their kids uh, college location until uh, that that younger kid graduates, at which point they might move to Colorado. So immediately, what are we thinking when we hear that? We're thinking, well, they have no state income tax today, but they might have state income tax if they go ahead and they make that move. All right, their house is paid off, their cars, investable assets are 5.2 million. So if you're uh, listening to this podcast and not on YouTube, then I'm going to uh, give you a breakdown of their assets right now. Um, So I mentioned their assets are 5.2 million and uh, here's how that's spread out. So their largest bucket of, uh, their largest part of their balance sheet is retirement plans and uh, they have $4.2 million in 401k IRA pensions. So those are all pre-tax buckets. Uh, but there is a distinction here. They have $200,000 in their 401k that are low basis company shares that they purchased in their 401k. They purchased company stock 30 years ago. And so they are going to uh, utilize NUA, Net Unrealized depreciation and uh later in the plan we will want to take those nua shares get them over to a brokerage account um, so that's their biggest asset though they've got four million in pre-tax retirement plans and the additional two hundred thousand in company stock that will go from their 401k to a brokerage account their next part of their balance sheet is their non-retirement brokerage assets so this is any cash savings accounts Uh, emergency fund. It's also their brokerage investment account. So these are assets that maybe it's cash, maybe it's invested, but it's not in a retirement account. Now we make that distinction. We draw a line between these two parts of the balance sheet. Retirement plans that are pre-tax, those are subject to income tax. Every dollar that's in an IRA or 401k or pension Every dollar will face some sort of tax rate, unless you know you only withdraw twenty five thousand dollars and you take the standard deduction, and that offsets the entire distribution, and that's your only income for the year. But that's pretty unique. Um, qualified charitable distributions would be another uh, outlier there. That would be another exception. Uh, when you're seventy four, 74, 75, you can uh, give to charity directly from your IRA. And if you do that first in the appropriate way and follow the rules, that will suffice for your required minimum distribution, which will lower your taxable income. We're now on the brokerage account. They've got about a million in brokerage assets, half of it's in cash, half of it's invested with some embedded capital gains. So what are we thinking there? Uh, well, that's a, lo- that's a really big cash position. Um, now, they might move to Colorado, so maybe there's a reason for it. We'll dive into that later. Uh, we can also make about four and a half, five percent 5% on cash today. Are they doing that? That's a question we're wondering. And then we also want to wonder, well, we know they have 4 million in retirement accounts. Is any of that in an IRA? Could we get creative in, in, in how we locate their emergency fund? Uh, it's awesome that you can make 5% on cash today, but that's also taxable. And let's go back to their income. So let's remember uh, Elvis and EmoGene Exxon are, are fake hypothetical clients here. Their income's 450000 today. So they're in a 32% tax bracket, but they're going to retire within six months. So next year, their tax rate's going to be far lower. Um, so there could be some, some opportunities there as we think about their emergency fund. Uh, last bucket, they have no Roth assets, nothing in Roth. Um, okay, so here's what we're going to do. I've uh, mapped out the situation. You know that these hypothetical clients are 59. They have a little over 5 million. Uh, Their house is paid off, though. Um, And we're going to talk through uh, the areas of financial planning and the way that they need to approach um, the next one year, but also the way they need to approach the next 10 years to lower their lifetime tax rate, and then how they should think really long term, 30, 40 years and beyond. Uh, to think about those two children. And how do we want to position uh, your balance sheet? How do we want to position their assets um, for the optimal? We want to check a lot of boxes. We want them to enjoy their life now. We want them to be able to uh, uh, meet their retirement needs both now and in the long-term. We also want to lower their lifetime tax rate. Uh, We also want to make sure from an estate planning perspective, we organize the balance sheet properly there. So we're going to talk about taxes insurance or risk management. We're going to talk about retirement income uh, and we're going to talk about estate planning. So investment wise, uh, I want to, we may, you know, we may come back to that a little bit later, Um, but I want to dive into just the financial planning areas. Um, And there's an enormous amount of value. You know, I'll say it right here. There's, there's probably, the difference between being really proactive, really strategic for this family versus not being proactive, not being strategic is millions of dollars over the course of their life. Um, and so there's a lot at stake here and that's where we're gonna dive in with taxes. So, gosh, there's probably a dozen little things we wanna think through in those dozen things if Elvis and Imogene, uh think through them and plan properly. Again, the stakes are huge here. So a lot of lot of delta between what they will pay in taxes if they don't do any planning versus what they should pay if they make a lot of decisions correctly each year over the course of several years. Okay, number one, tax wise, defer. Right now they're in a really high tax bracket, so pre tax everything. HSA, four hundred one k. They need to use pre tax. Now I you know mentioned that they if you're at Exxon you don't have an HSA. But if you're at a company that does use it uh, in this situation, because today they have a 32% tax bracket, one year from today, they might have a 10 or 12% tax bracket. So their, their tax situation is going to get way better. Um, so they need to be deferring. Uh, we will build Roth through different ways. That's number three. We'll come back to that. So defer income today, if you're at 32% and then you know that next year you'll be at 10, 12, 22%. Uh, By the way, even if taxes go up, I expect that they will at some point, you know, fast forward 10 years from now, let's pretend that taxes do go up Even in that situation, uh, paying 32% today is a really high price, and we can do things to avoid higher tax rates in the future. So we want to first defer. Uh, Emergency fund, if we can, again, get creative and use some of that in the IRA, um, we might think through that kind of a a loaded point there that I don't have time to focus on, but shoot us some note if you have questions on that. Okay. Number two, charitable giving. Uh, They need to be utilizing a donor advice fund if they're thinking about doing regular charitable giving over the next 10 years. So again, remember 32% marginal tax rate today, but then next year, they're not going to have any income. So their taxes are going to go way down. Uh, so two options here. They should do. Uh, let's pretend that they give five thousand a year to charity, and they want to do that every year in retirement. Um, so they want to give five thousand to whether it's their church or a nonprofit. They're given five thousand a year. So five thousand a year. Stop doing that each year. Instead, they're fifty-nine years old. Bunch the next five or ten years. Let's say ten years, all in this one year, while they're at a thirty-two percent tax bracket. So instead of giving a $5,000 charitable deduction, they don't get any credit for that. They're going to take the standard deduction. So they get no credit for a $5,000 charitable contribution, but they will get a lot of credit. So huge opportunity if it's 50000 Put it in a donor advice fund. They can automate, schedule out the exact same 5000 a year. Maybe they were doing four hundred a month. Uh, however, they were automating their giving, they can do the same thing in a donor advice fund. So they don't have to give 50000 to charities right now. They could continue to give incremental amounts each month, each quarter, but they want to pull forward. They want to take the tax deduction for the next 10 years all today. So that's the first thing they could do. Second thing they could do is if you already missed the boat on this and you've already retired, and let's, again, pretend you're doing $5,000 a year in charitable giving. Well, coincide your charitable giving, again, bunch them into one year. So do that same thing. Give 2023 through 2030, bunch seven, eight years all into one um, and get yourself a 40000 $50,000 tax deduction. And do that in a year where you do a larger Roth conversion. That leads us to number three, Roth building. So what we want to think through here is while they're still working, can they make mega backdoor Roth contributions? So number one was choose pre-tax, and we do. So for the twenty-two thousand five hundred that they're allowed to contribute and the catch-up plus seventy-five hundred, you know, that's thirty thousand dollars into pre-tax. Yes, there is legislation that's happened. Uh, that says that you may not be able to do the catch-up contribution next year pre-tax, that may have to be Roth. Uh, But if you're still in this year, you can do it pre-tax. So we defer that and we want to build the Roth after we max out our pre-tax bucket and we want to do after-tax contributions, um, if that's an option. Next way we want to build our Roth is, uh, and you could do backdoor Roth IRA and backdoor Roth 401k. Uh, If you do backdoor Roth IRA, you need to make sure that every retirement asset you have is in a 401k, not in a uh, traditional IRA. Um, So a lot going on with that. We don't have time to dive into it. We'll come back to Roth conversions. That's the biggest opportunity. Next on our tax list is NUA. So Elvis and Imogene, they have a uh, company stock in their 401k and they purchased it 30 years ago. So if an asset's in a 401k, let's go back. Let's go back to this picture if you're on YouTube. I drew the, I drew the 401k in red. I drew the Roth IRA in green. That was, that was on purpose. Uh, everything that's in an IRA that's pre-tax will face some sort of tax rate. Uh, income tax, uh, to be specific. So income tax is really the worst of, of the taxes. And so what we want to do is we want to take those NUA assets and we want to get them out of the red and we're not going to get them in the green. That's a Roth conversion. That's We do want to do Roth conversions, but we're talking about NUA right now. So we want to get the NUA shares into a brokerage account. They're going to be subject to capital gains, far more favorable. Than income taxes. So NUA is number four on our list. Number five, we're going to think through uh, Roth conversions. We're going to map out a schedule. So I mentioned Elvis and Emogene are 59. So this year they've got a lot of income, but next year they have no income. So next year, we are going to do at age 60, we will probably do $350,000 in Roth conversions. Now, why would we do so much? Well, because they have four million dollars in pre-tax retirement assets. So we just moved two hundred thousand out with NUA. That helps, um, but we want to be really in. We want to be really strategic before age sixty-three. At age 63, your Medicare premiums begin to get calculated. So whatever income you have in the year you're 63, that will determine your Medicare premium when you start Medicare at 65. It will recalculate each year based on your income two years prior. But they're not 63 yet. They're not 65 yet. They are 59. And in the years that they're 60, 61, and 62, we don't have to worry about Medicare premiums. So we want to go bigger on the Roth conversions on those years. If they convert $350,000, well, that's over a million dollars over those three years that they will move from the pre-tax retirement account into the Roth. And their effective tax rate on that would be about 19%. So again, they pay 32% as a marginal rate now, and to do these big Roth conversions in the first 3 years of retirement, they're looking at an effective tax rate of about draw that about sign, about 19%. So great tax opportunity there, and remember they have so much in pre-tax retirement accounts. If they just let this continue continue to grow, continue to compound, Well, they're going to wake up at age 80 and they're going to have way too much. This could easily get to eight or $10 million uh, by their mid-70s if they're not strategic on Roth conversions and how they pay for expenses and which bucket they take retirement income first, second, third. So that's a huge thing that we're doing. That alone uh, just has absolutely enormous opportunities uh, with it. Capital gains. So next up, uh, in their tax plan over the first five years of retirement. We're going to pretend that we're now four years out. So they are both 63. We have to worry ourselves with Medicare premiums now. So we still want to do Roth conversions. We probably want to do a Roth conversion of $50,000, $60,000. The effective tax rate on that is going to be about 4%. It's going to be incredibly low. And then we want to use the 0% capital gains tax bracket go back to their balance sheet here, we wanna start to harvest gains on the $500,000 brokerage account or those NUA shares that are now held in the brokerage account at an enormous gain. So we wanna start to harvest those gains at a 0% tax rate. If we remember what we did in step two of their tax plan, we mapped out any charitable giving that they were already planning on doing. Well, we gave the highest appreciated securities. So between being strategic with charitable giving that they were already planning on doing, between that and between harvesting capital gains at a 0% tax rate, we are, we are really significantly lowering uh, the tax owed on cap gains. Ooh, need to make another really critical point here. Let's go back to just square one, uh, present day, our hypothetical case study, they're 59. They make 450,000 a year. They're in a 32% tax bracket. Well, that income also affects their capital gains situation. So if they are to, if in their brokerage account, if they harvest, or if they are trading, if their investment manager is buying and selling things in that brokerage account, and if they produce short-term capital gains, That is a horrible thing, knowing that their tax rate, their capital gains tax rate, is going to get way better in a really limited, really short period of time. So short-term capital gains are horrible in their situation in the present day, but long-term capital gains are also not ideal. Uh, Even deferring long-term capital gains would be helpful for them uh, because, again, if we fast-forward four or five years to when they're 63, 64 Well, even a long-term capital gain, even though those are at favorable rates, we can harvest a long-term capital gain in their situation at 63 or 64 at a 0% tax rate instead of 15, 20%. Okay, Uh, distribution planning. Where, and this is going to touch into income planning. So we're going to kind of talk a little bit about tax planning and their retirement income. We want to think through... Uh, where should they take income from first? Let's go back to their balance sheet. They have a ton in pre-tax retirement, and we're already being really strategic with that. We're doing big Roth conversions each year until they turn 63. Then we're going to do smaller Roth conversions. We're still going to do them, just a little bit smaller. Um, and where does retirement income come from? Well, the first... The first part of retirement, first part of income in retirement. So if, it, if this can last for 10 years, great. Three years, four years, fine. However long it lasts, number one is your cash or your brokerage accounts. That's where we want to take retirement income first. So again, they need $200,000 a year. We're tapping that blue bucket there, uh, cash brokerage accounts. Um, Pre-tax retirement, that's number two on where you take income from. Number three is Roth IRA. Uh, Ideally, they never touch the Roth. So ideally, they take income from number one. And then on the back 20, 30 years of life, they take income from number two, the pre-tax bucket. And then hopefully they never touch the Roth IRA. Uh, That passes down to their two children tax-free. Okay. Uh, let's go to the some of the last tax planning items. Family gifting. So this goes into estate planning. Um, we'll touch on estate planning here in a second. Last thing, uh, we want to help them do their tax return. So Elvis and Imogene, uh, we want to help them do their tax return, be a part of that process, and we want to review their tax return every year. And Actually, the very first thing we would do with them. So before Elvis and Imogene even become clients, we want to see last year's tax return, and that's the that's the starting point. We always start with their tax return as kind of the central square one. That's home plate. That's the batter's box. That's where we start uh, in the financial planning process, looking at their tax return. Okay, that wraps up taxes because we're going to talk about family gifting and estate planning in the estate planning section um let's actually do that real quick so with their estate plan here's what we're thinking and i'm going to go much much faster here so one do they have the right legal documents in place a lot of 59 year olds do not and that's okay or maybe they set up a will and you know let's say that that will is uh 15 years old but now their kids are 28 and 21 or 25 and 21. so they need to update that um we want to make sure, do you have the proper legal documents in place? Now, if not, we want to walk through that estate planning process with Elvis and Emo Jean. Probably want to do a revocable living trust. So number two there. Um, Would probably prefer to do a revocable living trust instead of a will. Uh, This avoids probate. But also, let's go back to who these people are. This is a family that is, highlight this, They're thinking about moving to Colorado. So probate is famously easy in Texas. So it's okay if you just have a will in Texas. Um, Not necessarily for everyone. Um, A lot of people should probably have more of a trust-based estate plan um, still. But it's okay if you have a will in Texas, generally speaking. But they're thinking about moving to Colorado. Um, And who knows where their kids are going to live Thirty years from now, thirty-five years from now, when Elvis and Emogene pass away, so you don't really want a situation where you're in Colorado, your kids are in Connecticut, and they have to they have to make sure that they you know hire an attorney and do the estate uh, probate process halfway across the country. So probably revocable living trust because of that dynamic for them. Uh, That is instead of a will, by the way. Okay. Number three, organization. So estate planning, do they have the right legal documents is number one. Uh, Then the next step is, is it organized? Do key family members know where these documents are located? Do you know where your healthcare power of attorney, where your medical directives uh, and all of those ancillary documents, do you know where those are located? We'd want to make sure those are stored in a secure encrypted uh, portal online. Uh, communication. Have you talked to your kids? Have Elvis and Imogene chatted with their two children about their estate plan, what they have, where things are located? Uh, I've said this you know, a few times, but again, biggest estate planning problems are, are usually not because an attorney made a mistake on drafting documents. A lot of estate planning problems come from two things. There's blended families, uh, so kids from multiple marriages. Or, or there's just a lack of communication and you're passing down, you're passing down eight different accounts at six different financial institutions. That's a mess. And if the kids don't even know that you have all those eight accounts at the six different institutions, that's really a mess. So communicate properly. Now, tax planning. Uh, so Elvis and Emogene do not have a taxable estate today, but they probably will at some point in the future you know if they're spending three percent of their assets which isn't too far off once they start taking social security um if they're spending that amount of their assets every year and their assets grow at five percent a year six percent seven percent we don't know what the growth rate will be but those assets are going to keep compounding so they could wake up at 85 and and yeah, they could have $14 million and the estate tax exemption might only be $9 million. In which case, $5 million is now subject to estate taxes. By the way, the estate tax today is is 40%. So in that hypothetical example I just pulled out of a hat, you know, they would have 5 million subject to a 40% estate tax, uh, $2 million in tax owed. So what we wanna do with them is once we're gonna we're gonna now go to their retirement income plan. Once we know that they have enough assets to be self sufficient and fund their retirement plan for the rest of their lives, we want to get really strategic about giving to their two children while they're still living. Why uh, do why do we, we want to do that? Well, the easiest way to plan for tax well this is taxes in general, but especially with estate taxes, the easiest way to plan is by doing little things over an annual basis and then watching those little things grow um, outside of your estate over a 20, 30 year period. What I mean by that is, and I've used this analogy before, the analogy is pretend that you have an oak tree and you wanna relocate the oak tree on, on the other side of a fence. Well, if it's a 30 year old oak tree, that's a really hard thing to do. And it's pretty expensive. You don't even know if it's gonna work. But if you have time on your side, if you're willing to wait 30 years for that oak tree to get in a new position, well, you could just throw acorns, throw seeds over the fence, wait 30 years, and you're going to have a beautiful oak tree on the other side of the fence right where you want it. That's what we're trying to do with Elvis and EmoGene. So if they can give 17000 a year... And really, $34,000 a year because they're married to each of their two kids. So that's $68,000 a year to each of the two kids. And they could do that within a trust to where it stays invested. And now they're kind of investment partners uh, with their children. So it's not that they're handing them cash that the children go spend immediately. uh, But they could gift them these assets each year. Now those assets are out of their estate. So pretend that you do this for 10 years and you 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 give $68,000 um, and you do it you know from age 65 to 75 i'm just picking a range there well you've got $680,000 that's now out of your estate and so you've got let's let's get my marker here you've got a, a good 5.2 million is their assets today But if we can carve off part of that get it outside of the estate today and yes that's a smaller part today but over the next 20 years that's going to grow and all of that growth is now out of the estate that's how you really do one excellent tax planning doing little things each year remember with roth conversions we're not converting their entire ira in, in day one we're doing little conversions each year and then that growth happens in a roth Or in this estate example, you gift assets that are on you and your spouse's balance sheet, gift them to your kids. Now it's on your kid's balance sheet. It's no longer part of your estate. That growth happens outside. Okay. Um, If you're following us on YouTube, you see that I've got the income planning section up now. So first question is, do you have enough? Don't gift to kids. Do not gift assets to kids if you don't have enough money for your own retirement plan. So in their situation, we're confident they do. It passes the 4% rule. We would also run it through some really intricate retirement planning software and stress test it and, and say, hey, what if the next 30 years are terrible in the market? Um, so the first question is, do you have enough? The next retirement income question is, how much exposure do they need in growth assets versus safe assets? Uh, so I'll kind of draw this if you're watching on YouTube, um, and I'll talk through it if you're on the podcast. So, you know, a lot of people think that when they get to be 58 years old, their portfolio for the last 20 years had a lot of stock and maybe a little bit of bonds, uh, and they think errantly that they need to get really safe. So they think, well, my portfolio should now flip. We should have a tiny bit of stock and a lot of bonds, a lot of cash. We need to to be safe. So we want to build a safe portfolio in air quotes. The problem is that is not safe at all. Uh, Your first year of retirement, you're probably going to take maybe four, five, 6% of your portfolio at most. And so the majority of your portfolio, you're not spending in the next five years. And so if we think through, there's two different risks to consider with retirement income. The first risk is market risk. Simply, well, what if the stock market crashes? That's a big risk. But knowing that part of your nest egg, you're not spending it for five years. For crying out loud, part of your nest egg, you're not spending it for 12 years, 15 years, 20, 30 years. Um and so with that in mind, yes, market risk is a risk, but a much, much bigger risk is running out of money. And what we're talking about there is inflation. And so inflation risk is significantly worse. So they still need they still need a, a really healthy amount in diversified, well-managed equities, stocks. They need to have, usually, you know, through ETFs or funds, they need to have exposure and growth growth assets. Um, okay, how do we maximize retirement income? We want to use dynamic withdrawal rates. If we have a market crash, we might pause an inflation adjustment. So you should be able to give yourself a raise in retirement every year that coincides somewhat closely with inflation. Uh, But if there's a market crash, we want to pause those raises and let the portfolio recover a little bit. Still pay yourself the monthly income, but let the portfolio recover. Don't give yourself a raise in those years. Um, We also want to use tax planning. That's a great way to maximize retirement income. If you can lower the amount of lifetime taxes you're paying by $800,000, by $1.4 million, uh, that directly increases the amount that you get to enjoy in retirement income. Uh Ooh, this is a really big question. How do Elvis and EmoGene, how do they even know what their expenses will be in retirement? This is a really tough point. They're living in Texas. They might move to Colorado. I don't think you need to budget every month for the rest of your life. So that, that might be a little controversial, uh, but I'll say it again. You don't necessarily have to budget or track every expense every month for the rest of your life, but at key inflection points, you should. So if you move to a new state, enter a new phase of life, it would be really helpful to just and we can connect this with our financial planning software to just track expenses for a short period of time. Uh, because they think, this this hypothetical couple, they think that they need $200,000 a year. But what if they move and maybe they join a country club? Maybe they travel more than expected? And what if they're now spending $340,000 a year? Those are two different retirement plans. And so that, that question on retirement income, we've got to know that in the first year, not the 12th year of retirement. Um, it'll be too late uh, if we find that out 12 years later. Okay. Where do we take income from first? We covered that. When do we take Social Security? Uh, Higher earner, a lot of good reasons to wait until 70 to lock in that higher benefit for either surviving spouse. Um, And yeah, we we, we have some other things. I'm going to keep it short on Social Security. Medicare, we've talked about 63 and 65 there. Uh, Risk management going to be real brief. Elvis and Imogene, they don't need life insurance. They don't need disability insurance. Um, and they're, they don't have enough assets to have a, a taxable estate today to where they need a, a life insurance trust. So again, there's no need for whole life insurance. Maybe that changes if you know they wake up 10 years later and have $15 million and the estate tax exemption is $5 million. Uh, maybe we introduce some uh, some life insurance estate planning strategies, but they don't need it today. Um, what are we looking for with home and auto insurance? Uh, and if you listen to the podcast, you know, we don't love cash value life insurance at all. Uh, 99% of people do not need it. Um, not, a, not a good investment instrument, uh, but it can have 1% of the time. It can have really good functions for estate planning um, and some other things. Uh, so... Home insurance, auto insurance, we want to make sure that Elvis and Imogene are properly covered there. Uh, So, unlikely events, we want to make sure they're safe. If somebody gets injured on their land, we want them to not uh, be uh, in a bad position if they get sued. Uh, Balance sheet transformation. We're going to finish with this idea. I think if I were to summarize everything that I'm thinking through for this hypothetical couple, what we're trying to do as we take retirement income what we're trying to do to lower their future taxes to make sure that they're covering covering themselves from a risk management perspective all of these things even estate planning all of these things and investments all of these things are balance sheet transformation so their balance sheet today uh, if you're watching us on video looks like this we don't want this to be their balance sheet in, in 10 years, uh, we want to spend this account first. Um, and then, and we want to move a lot of the pre tax to Roth at lower tax rates. So they're going to wake up 10 years from now. They're not going to have nearly the, the brokerage assets, non retirement assets that they have now. Um, they're going to have a lot more Roth and a little bit less pre tax assets. That's going to drastically lower their taxes but it's also going to make their balance sheet a little bit more resilient, um, a little bit more protected. So if they were to get sued, uh, their primary residence is protected from creditors. In the state of Texas, uh, their retirement accounts have a lot of protection. Their brokerage accounts, their checking and savings accounts do not. So again, that has a a real advantage from a risk management perspective. They get a lot safer. Um, So Those are a lot of the things we're thinking from, you know, if you think about trying to be, if you you were, you know, pretend that it's you incorporated and you're the CFO of your family and you're 59 and you're entering into retirement, those are some of the things we would think about. Again, I think this couple can probably lower their lifetime tax rates by lifetime tax paid by a seven figure number. Um, and I think they can do a lot to to clean up their estate plan, uh, to plan for retirement income properly, strategically. Um, we didn't even have time to get into in investments, how they can locate different investments in different parts of their balance sheet for a higher after-tax return. Um, but this gives you a little bit of an insight into what are we thinking through, what questions are we asking, and how do we want to handle Uh, the next three months, 12 months, five years, 10 years, and beyond. It all starts with the tax return and then building the right investment accounts and making sound decisions on a monthly, quarterly, annual basis from there. Hope you enjoyed this and uh, look forward to catching you next time. Thanks for listening to this episode of the podcast. You can subscribe or connect with us at brownleewealthmanagement.com. Or send ideas for future episodes to podcast at brownleewealthmanagement.com. Thanks, and we'll see you next time. This podcast is for informational purposes only. Nothing discussed during this show or episode should be viewed as investment, legal, and tax advice. If you have questions pertaining to your specific situation, please consult the appropriate qualified professional.